paint in his hands. <laughs> they like they go full throttle. But just getting to spend time with them on that level and um, showing them kind of what I'm doing and it's just it's so cool. Hello and welcome to You Can Do It, Do It, a podcast about people whose lives have been transformed by trying something new. Today, we're joined by Aaron DeThomas, a teacher in a great new art program in Warren, Rhode Island called Makers R.I. Hi, I'm Aaron DeThomas. I own a kids art studio in Warren called Makers. Um, it's a process-based kids art studio and it's a lot of fun. Cool. What is process-based? Okay, good. I'm so glad you asked. So process-based art is really focusing on the creative process, not as much the outcome. I work with kids fifth grade and under, so sort of having that as a core value is great with the younger kids. Um, It's a lot of exploring and experimenting with different supplies and art materials and stuff like that. My husband calls it play art. (laughs) So it's just a lot of fun. The outcomes I love, I love sort of the messy kind of abstract art. Um, But we're not just focused on, I don't really set up a picture and then say, this is what you're going to create. They have a lot of creative freedom to kind of make whatever comes to their minds. And being more abstract probably helps them to not uh, lose confidence, I would imagine, too. It's not like, like you said, you don't show them a, a picture up front and you're like, oh, you didn't make a picture that looked like that. It's like you made something that made sense to you and expressed something for you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, did you mention what age? I do fifth grade and under. Oh, man. Um, and I start with kids as young as one. So, I say walkers to fifth grade is kind of the age group that I work with. Um, It's really interesting because I have one class that is five years old and younger, and so I'll get a really big variety of their abilities and things that they know coming in. And so the younger kids, like the one-year-old, the way that they interact with the materials, the things that they do is so different than the older kids. Um, But I still really believe that it's so beneficial for them. I think the younger ones at one even just seeing the sort of cause and effect of painting something, mixing a color and changing it, looking at the older kids and seeing how they're using it and learning from them. Um, I just think it's so beneficial for these kids to get these kinds of experiences. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's really amazing. So why that age group? Um, I have a teaching background in elementary education. Ah. And so I sort of, I just, I love that age. And then when I started Makers, my kids were um, two and four at the time, and I just couldn't find any art classes for them, and I felt like they were really missing out. So I sort of started with their age group and then kind of expanded from there. Yeah, it's so funny to take a personal problem and turn it into something. business. It's actually a business. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did you have anything in your history where you're like, I want to start a business someday? No, never. I feel like I still sort of have what they call imposter syndrome a little Mm. bit where I'm like, can I really do this? Yeah. Um, but I just, I just, it just all felt natural kind of the way it, it evolved and the way it sort of went. And, um, I love it. It's so exciting. I feel like I'm learning something new every day and, um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. 
Well, can you tell us a little bit about what that transition was like uh, from moving to that question, can I actually do this, to actually doing it? Like what what was that whole story there? When I quit, I didn't quit teaching, but I kind of, my husband got transferred to Canada and um, it was sort of, we live apart and he travels all week or I postpone my career and we go move together. Oh, wow. And having a career was always such a huge, huge part of my identity that it was a true struggle when uh, we were in Canada and I was home with my with my sweet girl Emma and you know just not having that part of me anymore to say that this is what I am and this is what I've I've always been such a it's always been just a big part of who I am. Yeah. And um when we moved back after I had a little Canadian <laughs> uh, after we moved back I felt like I was kind of ready to get into it again but also really recognized the blessing that I was in where just being able to be home with my kids when I was little. And um, so I just started small and just started in my backyard and at one of the national parks down the road, teaching outside just to sort of build clientele. And um, and then once summer ended and I had to move inside, I had a more of a clientele so I could sort of pull them in and I was renting space I did it at a farm, which was really cool, wow. and another art studio, and then um, and then I just took the leap. So it's all it all sort of happened kind of organically and sort of evolved into where it was. I never, when I first started doing the art classes outside, I never would have thought that I would have my own art studio, <laughs> which is so cool. Yeah. Um, but so it was just kind of an organic thing that just evolved and kept changing and. I had a business plan in the beginning and now it looks totally different now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. What are some things that surprised you about how it changed? I think first how much I loved it Mm -hmm. and how um, I just have this, like I just want to make these creative art experiences for the kids. And um, I didn't realize that I would be so passionate about it. Um, That's probably been the biggest one. It was, it's sort of a, dream that I didn't know I had kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah. And you went into it with a business plan. Did you have a background in developing those or is it just something you just did on your own? I just did it on my own. Yeah. I I knew that because we had just moved here and I didn't really have, my husband's from here, but on the other side of Rhode Island. And as we all know, oh. it's <laughs> foreigner. <laughs> yeah, people don't really travel. So, yeah. you know, with, I say that with the most love. Of course. Yeah. Of no, course. but it's very true. <laughs> um, so I knew I didn't really have um, much to sort of rely on. So mm-hmm. I wanted to have a solid website. I wanted to look credible to anybody who could find me, especially because I was hoping to spend time with their kids. Right. So I just did that to sort of, I made the business plan to have more of a guideline for myself about what what I was hoping to do or what it could look like. How was it, uh, so your kids were involved in the first class you did at two and four? Yes. How was it like teaching other kids and your kids? Did they see you as like an authority figure outside of being their mom too? Or was it just a natural thing to do with everybody else? Thank goodness my kids love it. (laughs) And they can get pretty engaged in it so they're they in the beginning it was good I think it was just my kids and then two other kids that I had known this was like a play group for them almost at first yeah yeah just sort of a test to see how it went 
And then once I started to get a few more people, I had to say they couldn't come to class, oh, no. <laughs> which was, I know you look so sad. Now they come all the time. Now okay. that well, I, now that they can pay you, they're old <laughs> enough to work. Yeah. They get their allowance and then they pay into makers. All right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Little investors. <laughs> See business plan. I know. <laughs> Start on the ground floor with your own kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, funny. it took me a while to, um, to really be confident in what I was doing and, you know, be know that I could work with the kids and also manage my own. And so they came and then they had a break and then now they're back coming a lot again. Yeah. Oh, that's really How cool. old are they now? Three and five. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so oh, that's still right. This so was 2018, new. right? Yeah. Started, yeah. yeah. The oldest one's going to test out soon. I know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going to happen yeah. once you, once, once they're, they're, he's too old to come? I know. I don't know. That. I don't know yet. But we still have a few years, so we don't yeah. have to worry quite yet. He's like Maybe. 18 showing up. Yeah. Like, hey, I just want to do some art with you, Mom. That's fine. Yeah. It's the process. You yeah, know? right. Yeah. It's like me with my pediatrician after college. <laughs> like, I like, think you're too old, sir. Buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's easier that way. Yeah, you're 30 years old. I think you should. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so what, uh, oh, go, go for it. And now, when you were, you said you were teaching in elementary school before you went up to Canada. Yes. Were you teaching art there? No, just regular ed in the classroom. Okay. Uh, I did second grade and fifth grade, and always felt like if I could involve or create these hands-on projects for the kids, I really tried to do project-based learning in my classroom as much as I could, in like incorporating it with Common Core and everything. Mm. And so I've always had a love of that creating learning in a really engaging or hands-on way. And so that sort of works really well with what I'm doing now too. Let's talk a little bit about project-based learning as a concept and a little bit about Common Core just um, for listeners who might not be totally familiar with those two terms. Mm. Yeah, what, sure. Um, so what is project-based learning? Project-based learning is when um, you do a project to sort of learn the things that you're trying to get to. Um, it's a lot of hands-on activities the kids some sometimes guide it themselves um it's more project-based meaning it's not just worksheets Mm -hmm. you're not just reading a textbook and then sort of regurgitating the information you're working through it yourself and actually building something or you know bringing something else in to create something and i've I've heard it too spun another way is almost like problem-based learning yeah, to where absolutely. you kind of give like a, a prompt or something that you're trying to get them to solve and they get to come up with creative options about figuring it out. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Probably yeah. helps them assimilate the the knowledge better too. Like you said, like you just take tests and stuff and regurgitate information that's gone, you know, like two weeks later. But yeah. this kind of sticks with them. That's what I believe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really what I believe. I think when you do, you learn more. And, and mm-hmm. then if you could teach, you learn it even better. Yeah, right. Now, do you think we all did that when we were students? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't really remember either. <laughs> yeah, I remember a lot of regurgitation. We managed to learn something. Yes. Yeah. I do. Probably. I remember studying my note cards. Yeah. I remember writing the facts down and then just study, 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 study. Yeah. yeah. But Yeah. And so what's Common Core? Common Core is the standards that we're using across the U.S. So yeah. just to keep all the kids sort of on the same page where now if you move from Rhode Island to say Colorado, they should be learning the same thing. So it's an easy trans transition. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, transitioning yeah. schools is hard enough. I'm sure, you know, kids having to, you know, relearn things would not be as, as yeah. fun. Yeah, for sure. Or coming yeah. into a place where you're totally lost and yeah. 
they weren't teaching what you were learning or, you know, yeah. Right now you're able to actually kind of be free of a, a very specific educational construct, right? So you're sure. out of public school. You're not bound to grades or having to teach the same thing as every other school in the U.S. How has that been freeing for you in the types of things that you're doing now? Yeah, it's incredibly freeing. I, I do a lot of very abstract sort of activities. And so, for example, one of the things that we did this past weekend with my preschoolers was I had a record and spray painted it silver. It was a dinosaur theme. So we did the, the idea was a mandala on the record and then camouflage your dinosaurs to fit in your record because dinosaurs want to be camouflaged. Oh my God. So awesome. things like that, I can go like totally up far, yeah. I guess, yeah. on one side. Um, but I'm still like thinking about, all right, fine motor skills. Where, mm. where should the kids be? What, how, do, how can they access the materials? What sort of things would be beneficial to them? And then trying to just do it in a way that they've never really seen before. So another thing that I did this past week, it was kind of a, a dinosaur week. Um, I like to do installations for my really little kids, like five and under. Anytime I can involve full body movement, I yeah. think is like a total win. So we had, I was so generously given these very long cardboard poles and I built this teepee and put a sheet over it and then tied it and we called it a dinosaur hut. <laughs> and so they're reaching on their tiptoes, trying to paint the very top. I gave them these water bottle squirt guns, um, the spray bottles, like you have cleaning product, filled it with liquid watercolors. So they're working on their oh finger strength and their fine motor skills, their dexterity, <laughs> all like all while they're having so much fun decorating this dinosaur hut. Yeah. Which is, you know, That's very, it's very abstract, not something you would probably see in an elementary school. Yeah. And I mean, like even most homes, like most parents don't have the ability to give their kids this like crazy experience. Like, yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd probably get stressed out thinking about how dirty their house would be yes. afterwards. Well, yeah. imagine putting like, like a freedom. little TP up in my house and being like, Lillian, <laughs> yeah, just no. spray things. Go nuts. Oh, great. I'm I don't here. really recommend it. I have streaks of paint on my ceiling. I have a really understanding landlord, which is, yeah. which is truly amazing. Also, your studio is at your, your house or, or the studio is, is what your landlord is? Yeah, is, okay. yeah, my landlord. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yes. What was that like having that conversation? Like, I'm going to have a children's art studio well it's so funny because the the building that i am in was bought about three months after i got in and oh, wow. so the first landlord was very absent and i was already in there and then the new landlord mm. came in and so it was sort of just like well right. this yeah. is what it is and you know but i'll paint and i'll sure. we could take care of it when it's finished of but, course yeah. but kind it's of going really back to what you were saying about parents feeling uncomfortable mm -hmm. like wouldn't want to do that at home yeah. i get so many moms that come in and and they're like, this is the first time my kids have been, have used glitter right. because we won't let it in the house. Mm. And, you know, something that I've noticed and kind of learned throughout the this past, just even having this studio, is sometimes process art is harder for the parents to mm. sort of understand or get behind. They really... And, and to be honest, I found myself doing this too, especially when I started, I would have an idea of the project that I wanted to do and I wanted my kids to do it the way that they were supposed to do it. So then I, so I could try it. Mm -hmm. And so I understand how these parents feel kind of taking a step back and giving your children the freedom to kind of 
do what they want to do, probably not what you want them to do. (laughs) It's a really interesting transition to watch the parents go from the first class to where they're very like hands-on, giving lots of directions, really just trying to get their child to do it the right way. Mm. But but where we're at at Makers, there really is no right way. Mm. We definitely have boundaries and rules and things like that, but the way they access the materials, the projects that they create, it's it should be all their creation, which I think leads to a lot more confidence down the road. You were kind of mentioning that too. And I, I mean, I think that's a very American attitude to be like, oh, you have to, there's a particular way you do it and this helps this skill and this builds on that. And like, that's how you progress as a child versus just allowing them to understand something themselves. And I mean, like you said, like building confidence, you achieve it by, I did this thing. This is how I decided to do it. And I think it's just, it's partly like a dynamic of our society too. Yeah. So. Yes, absolutely. Because I know I, uh, well, not to go into things no. that I've read about, but so like you've probably read Bring Up Baby. Yeah. Yeah. So they talk about like some of the the French attitude towards like learning how to swim, right? It's like she put him in the pool and she's like, when are we, when are we going to teach my kid how to swim? And they're like, oh, we don't like teach them how to swim. They just play in the water. And she's like, why am I coming here? They're not <laughs> learning a lesson. They're just exploring water. What's the point of that? <laughs> And it's it, the point to them is not to like teach them and develop them. It's to have them experience it. And then eventually they develop those skills along the way as well. So yes. I like that. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know, it gives them a chance to play with different art materials that I like, I let them mix paints a lot. So they learn the, you know, what two colors make what or mm. all that sort of stuff too. And how, so how do you, like you have a curriculum then, it's not a maybe not a tr- as traditional as like a school system, but how do you go about developing these? I mean, it sounds very imaginative. Like, what do you do week to week to come up with this? I always keep in mind the develop developmental skills and what they should be doing, or what you know, what the age appropriate stuff. It sounds very technical. I know. No, and but the- <laughs> I mean, you, you have that skill set to yeah. know what that is, though. I mean, that's that's like you bring that skill to the table. Yeah, for sure, I do. And then I just try to think of new and creative ways that I can get them to practice those things without really realizing that they're, that they're learning or that they're moving their fingers or Mm. making them stronger or whatever. So it's, so I don't really know where I get the, the ideas from. I think Mm. of a theme sometimes and then just Mm. kind of go from there or I'll see something and then. That will inspire me. It's kind of like your creativity working on basic skills that the kids need and then also applying it to process-based learning. I guess you just like all those things coming together and it's just sort of a creative process that you can't fully describe. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Yes. That's cool. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that I'm curious about to kind of pivot a little bit is um, the impact that this has had on you as a parent. It has been really incredible to have created something that my kids can be a part of now too. Um, my daughter seeing her do art, she just, she's so immersed and engaged. My son, like if I turn my back, he's got the paint in his hands. (laughs) (laughs) They like, they go full throttle, but just getting to spend time with them on that level and, um, showing them kind of what I'm doing. And it's just so cool. There is the balance, though, that I struggle with that um, just coming from being at home with them 
and then choosing to be doing something else is mm. is tricky. You know, yeah. I I definitely have guilt about that sometimes. My daughter just started school, and so she's not with me as much anymore. Yeah. And so now it's a sort of a balance of figuring out what afternoon, how many afternoons do I want to work? How much of my weekend do I want to book? I want to make sure I'm with them too. Yeah. But luckily she just comes with me pretty much all day Saturday. And <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. It's neat that that's like a, you know, it's actually a fun thing for them that they can do. Yes. Right? Like, Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things that's the nice thing about starting something because you had a genuine need that needed to be fulfilled. Yeah. Um, in terms of like working with other children, like what has that taught you about your own kids? Like, do you see your kids a little differently now having like seen the way other kids develop or learn or. Yeah. It's so funny. I just, so all kids are so, so, so different. And so it's, it's, I'm not sure that, the other kids has really have really made me see something else in mine, except creating the chance for them to sort of be a leader kind of and um, sort of guide the other kids or show them or maybe that sort of in a sense, I yeah. think. I mean, they get to see you do that. Yeah. Too. I mean, you, you get to lead by example with a lot of other kids. I remember one of my... When it, uh, such a proud moment was uh, we had a, had a class in my backyard and I was cleaning up and everything and I overheard my daughter playing makers. She was she had her art <laughs> oh, stations awesome. and I was like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're demonstrating like you're a you're a business owner, like you're creating this whole thing in front of them. So that's probably like really valuable for them to see you growing this thing as well. It's really I cool. hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. When I was growing up, my mom um, was a florist and she owned her own flower shop. And I didn't know, yeah, um, I didn't know after the fact that she'd actually gone bankrupt out of business, just wasn't able to make it work. But as a kid, seeing her do that and like being at the shop and, you know, around all these flowers, you know, with my mom and seeing her like do her thing, I still have such a deep admiration of someone who's, you know, able to take a craft and excel at it even if it doesn't work in a commercially profitable way. Right. Like there's something beautiful to seeing somebody who loves what they do in the work that they do, regardless of whether or not it's, you know, quote unquote, and I'm successful. Right. But it seems like, you know, you're a year in at this point. Yeah. You've got steady classes that people are coming to. Like what's the, what's, what's next for you in this next year? Like, what are you, what are you hoping for? I, so I change my classes every six weeks or so. So oh. just looking forward to trying out new things, different themes. I want to get more kids in the doors. I want to help them and work with other as many kids as possible with art. But I'm so happy in my studio and my I just love it so much. So I just want to keep riding this wave. Mm. I like <laughs> where it is. I do some school programming. Um and here and there, bop around. What is it like trying to work with a school to use your curriculum applied to? I'm sure they must have some rule. Like, do they have rules around what they want you to be doing, or are they just kind of like, "Hey, we want to just do this program. You take over." Um, it's a Montessori school, Ocean oh, State okay. Montessori school, and so they really have some of the same beliefs. Where it's um, sensory based is really important. Hmm. Um, exploring, experimenting, 
So my ideals fit really in with what they were looking for. Um, so I don't really face, I didn't really face that too much. You don't have to fight the system. You just find, find the system that fits. Exactly. You find your people. That's really exactly. Great. Now, did you come from a, a Montessori school route or like a, any like non-traditional schooling or was, was I, I guess the question I'm asking is how did you find this tribe, you know, that you're now a part of, right? Like this alternative to, to, Traditional, traditional yeah. school yeah. systems and education. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I don't really know. I just, <laughs> I know that when I was teaching, like I said, the project base, anything that could engage the kids a little bit more mm. was always sort of my thing. And mm. with the with my kids being little and trying to find more things for them where they could learn but not, but it not be forced down their throats, it just, I, I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, I, don't really I mean, it's a totally fair answer. I feel like a lot of <laughs> success and great connections come from just doing a thing and then like the people fall into place as well. Yeah. yeah. How did you get connected with the Montessori school? Uh, through a friend who came yeah. to a class and she knew somebody who worked at the Montessori school. I mean, I guess really the parents who come are a connection as well into that community of people who are interested in it. They know other people who are involved. And yeah. So it kind of branches out from there. There are some parents that come and just aren't, can't really aren't really into it and it makes them uncomfortable. I have parents who leave sometimes because okay. they think that the age of their child is too young for the activities. Hmm. Um, especially when they see the older ones and how they're engaging and then their one or two year old comes in and just really can't do that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's, you know, if you give them a chance to sort of the first time that kids come to class, they're really, um, I don't want to say overwhelmed because that's not the right word, but very stimulated. There's yeah. so many things to look at. There's usually a lot of things going on. Kids are all doing sort of different things. So a lot of times the kids just come in and like want to put their hands in the beads or mm. they don't want to actually thread them. They just want to feel them mm. or they just want to touch this or they want to sit at the sensory bin all the time. And then, but if the parents stick with it and they come again, then the next time they sort of do something a little bit more a little bit differently and then the next time they're engaged in a different way and mm. so it, it really is the whole thing is kind of a process mm. and if parents can sort of sit back and just let their child kind of figure it out themselves this is makers is a really great environment for that yeah, yeah. but I mean, it does like i said it does make some people very uncomfortable yeah it's kind of a leap hard. of faith for them yeah like i i think Maybe this will go somewhere. I, don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I think I mean, this is helping them. Right. Yeah. Even them observing other kids, interacting. I mean, there's a, even for a small child, I imagine there's some kind of socialization that goes on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. The older kids get such a benefit by helping the younger kids. Yeah. The younger kids just learn by even just watching the older ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, little friendships form. And, you know, I try to introduce, I always introduce all the kids so that. They sort of say hello to each other. They're aware that there are other kids in there. At some mm. age, it's just parallel play, and there's really nothing. I mean, that's where they are developmentally, and that's what ex is expected. Mm. But still just trying to engage them with the other kids and, you know, saying hello, interacting, sharing. That's really big. Mm. Yeah. I do a lot of collaborative projects. Um, I feel like those are super beneficial for kids are of all ages. 
Um, collaborative meaning they're all working on the same thing. Mm. Sometimes they're working on, sometimes I'll, if they're, we're sitting at a table, sometimes I'll move the piece of art so that then they're working on somebody else's art. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. So it's, it's even for older kids, it's one of those things where it's kind of a little bit about letting go a little bit, um, just sort of like accepting what comes in, kind of working together to create something, which is really cool. Yeah. What is parallel play? Is that just like one kid's doing something and the other kid's doing something alongside them, but it's completely disconnected? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Just mm-hmm. sort of side by side, but all playing in, in their own little worlds. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. really interacting much. Yeah. And now you mentioned that um, there's a creative process. There's confidence that comes from it. Um, there's dexterity and skills like that that come from it. What about uh, like problem-solving skills? Do you see kids develop some forms of problem-solving skills by participating in this art? I do. I absolutely do. I try to, I try to help facilitate their art experience but not really direct it. So if they're having a problem, I'll – if if they're having a problem, I'll come in and um, say, well, why do you think this is happening? Or mm-hmm. "What I'm noticing this thing over here. What if you tried something like that? Or I'll give them maybe a tip that they could use, but they don't have to. I don't necessarily stop them from continuing to make the problem, but just try to, if they want to change the way that they're looking at it, they can, but they don't have to either. Yeah, so you help them with a little self-reflection. Yeah. Guide them there. Yeah, and that can be really valuable. How do you get the class to uh, be cohesive? Yeah, you know, for for you and also for the kids. Um, and I know part of that is just letting some of the kids just do their own thing, like you said, like you know, play in a certain area, observe what's going on. But w- what is cohesion for you, and and how do you allow kids who are very different to collaborate? I think that art is just so therapeutic for anybody who's really doing it. And I put out the materials and then we'll show them maybe a way that they could use them, but they don't have to. And so I think even just sometimes working side by side next to people, they get that feeling. Um, They can start their project one way and then look over. I'm always pointing out what the other kids are doing. Oh, look at this, you know, Sue put a border around hers and then some other kids will get an idea oh, maybe I'll add a board around mine, or Mm. they won't, which is totally fine. But I think pointing out what other kids are doing, pointing out what they're doing, just sort of throughout the conversation kind of makes makes it feel like a sense of community. Even if they are all doing it very differently, we're still sitting there together. We're, We're still in the same space and, you know, kind of interacting. And That's amazing. It's really cool. See, now I want to go. (laughs) Yes, I know. So one of the things that actually like that I was really curious about is you said sensory bin. Oh, yeah. Mm. What is a sensory bin? Oh, my gosh. Sensory bins are such a hit. They are the best. So uh, sensory experiences are all about finding ways to engage multiple senses. Okay. Um, So sensory bins is a really big bin. And I have all I'll have a base of some sort of texture and then stuff that they can play with it. So it creates a lot of imaginative play also. Um, Sometimes it's slime in the bin. Sometimes it's rice. Sometimes it's um, oobleck is a really fun one. Sometimes it's water. What is oobleck? Is that the sand? It's, um, oh my gosh, you have to make it. It's 
water and cornstarch. Okay. Mm. And it's this fascinating substance where if you if you grab it with your hand, you can make a solid. But the second you let go, it becomes a liquid. Oh my god! It's oh. crazy. <laughs> so it's like pressure it. causes it to come. I together? guess yeah. I don't actually know yeah. the science behind sure. it. Yeah, but um, anything that sort of just is something that they can sit there and kind of play with. Mm. Um, and I change it up every week, so I have yeah. bugs sometimes that I put it in, put in or like real, actual, like real bugs. No, I don't uh. go that far. <laughs> oh I know a, a bunch of caterpillars. Crickets. Oh gosh, <laughs> don't squeeze, please. Oh. Yeah. No, I've used um, uh, eggshells before, where mm. I just got the egg out, and because playing with delicate materials lets them learn a lot of things, mm. and um. I've done cutting flowers before, which if you've never cut flower petals, that's kind of a really fun sensory thing to, yeah. it's like so smooth. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, the kids love, love, love the sensory bins. Yeah. And some of them just sit around this bin for the whole hour just yeah. playing and other kids will come in and they'll have some sort of imaginative interaction or, you know, I'll come in and say, are you making me a this pie has a bug in it or something, you know, you can kind of, and then walk away and they sort of can go with that a little bit. I really try to extend the learning and the experiences too. So um, in, in sensory bins, sometimes I'll add a different material kind of halfway through so that they can sort of keep staying engaged and playing with that. And I do that with the art activities as well. I never give them all the materials at one time. I'll start with maybe just one or two basics and then once they've sort of got a foundation down, then I'll give them a few more things and then maybe I'll add in some more. So just trying to extend what they're doing and get them super engaged and involved. It's almost like uh, a concept of like progressive disclosure. Like yeah. you're sort of giving enough rules to get moving. And then once you've not mastered the rules, but become familiar enough with them, you give some more. Yeah. And then they develop more mastery and skill as they mm. go. Yeah, absolutely. I can see why you would want a one-year-old or older if you're going to have all that stuff in there. It would just all be in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just be like, wow, this is interesting, and it's all going in my yes. mouth now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Abs- and and so there's, um, you know, some people think that everything that we use should be edible. Um, I sort of believe that we should teach them from the beginning not to eat it. So sure. if they put it in their mouth, it's going to taste bad. And and that's one of the rules I'm always very clear about. Even if there's food here, we never eat at Makers. We only play with it. And, you know, some of them will try, especially around Christmas time, gingerbread houses and oh stuff. Gosh, some yeah. of them the smell. will sneak a yeah. few for sure. Do you ever put in like a some nasty, like some echinacea in there? Like oh. just add the bitter? Just to know. <laughs> like a... I, I don't I don't know if you guys have video games in your house, but the Nintendo Switch has these little cartridges. They're like this big and they taste you know, they taste terrible. <laughs> they don't want kids to eat them. Because they don't want kids to eat them. But like if you like take a little it's like, oh, that was so oh, no. nasty and bitter. And I, I had Feels read about cruel this. For her I know. to do this to her gingerbread. <laughs> I had read about this on the internet and was like, yeah. that's such a great idea. And I was like, I mean, it's a safe idea. It, it, took, it, me, safe. it took me about a week before I tried it myself yeah. to see. Like, wow, no, it was very bad. It? Yeah, yeah, it's very bitter. Yeah, I think that's great for unsupervised yeah. activities. Yes. Luckily, I'm usually and so and mo- with the little ones, the parents stay too, so they're do there that, yeah. to catch it as well. Yeah, and yeah. So, uh, instead of sugar, you just use lye. <laughs> Can you walk us through some of the developmental stages of children? I mean, it seems like you've got a good handle on it. So pop quiz. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, let's, let's start with like one, one year old. What do you work on with one year olds? And then, yeah, sure. So one year olds are really still in the parallel play. So socializing with them, um, introducing them to the kids, getting them to notice others and kind of notice what the other kids are doing is really, mm. really important. Um, and then also just the like dexterity of their fingers mm. and the movement of their arms. So what they do is more like I'll have a lot of kids who will have one hand in the air as they're doing something with the other one just mm. because they're their muscles aren't that's sort of how they're working um so yeah with the little ones it's just working on like the little pincher movements working on sort of making circles stirring Um, the soup yes exactly (laughs) exactly just the basics taking the cap off even can be enough um just putting the paint to the paper noticing that when they do that it makes a color that's Mm. could be something new for some of them yeah um and then, you know, moving forward with some of the old, so let's say one, two, two to three, they're um, making more distinguished shapes with their drawings. Um, instead of just like picking things up with their fingers, they can now sort of thread or um, what even just having them watch, um, like having a bead in the small hole and getting something in a really tiny hole, like that is a... That's a pretty challenging one for kids at that age to do. Mm. Um, Three years old, two to three, kind of depends on the parent's comfort, but I like to introduce scissors. Oh. Um, Just they're, you know, they're definitely kid safe and it's all supervised. And um, I always talk about you need to look where you're cutting, but Mm -hmm. even just like getting that hand motion going and, um, and then moving up four and five, I like to kind of introduce hammers and nails um, I wow. know your faces. Wow. So I have this very cool technique <laughs> that is really awesome. And I have them um, doing it with partners. Mm. So I have the long needle tweezers. Yeah. So one partner is like has the, it's, mm. I, I use thumbtacks uh. and tacks and stuff too. Yep. Um, but they're holding the nail or the thumbtack with the needle head. And then the other kid is banging it with, you know, so it's, yes, with two hands. And I use styrofoam too in the beginning instead of wood, just because the wood can be too difficult to get through. Yeah. Um, Wow. But our eyes did bug out. I am still, I'm still afraid (laughs) to hammer it now. (laughs) I'm afraid today. Try it with the tweezer thing. Yeah. Try my tweezer trick. Works really well. I like that. Perfect. I'm going to call you the next time I have to hang a photo. But they're so curious. They, they want to play with the tools, especially the hammers. They've seen, Their family members using yeah. them and probably not allowing them to use them. Right. right. And yeah, so, it's off limits. yeah, for sure. So, if we can create, if I can create a safe environment where they can test out these tools mm. and learn how to use them the right way, learn the basic things that are important the, from the beginning, then, mm. you know, they'll be hammering pros, but they'll be building birdhouses by that the is time so they're cool. seven. Yeah. Yeah. And it won't seem like, uh, not taboo, but like like you said, like off limits, and so they yeah. want to do it more. You know, it makes it like a a normal, safe thing for them to do. Right. So it's cool to introduce it. I think that is kind of a Montessori concept too, right? Yeah, yeah, to yeah. like get them involved in things. Yeah, and there's like, like some that. kids who are attracted to the things that they're not supposed to do, right? Definitely. And then other kids who will never touch the thing that they're yes. not supposed to do. And it seems like this environment sort of creates the perfect little situation for every 
every one of them, like the ones that really wanted to do it just couldn't, they weren't allowed (laughs) now have an environment where they can. And then these other ones who were like, no, I, my mom and dad, no, it's no hammers, not for me. Now you have a permission slip. This is okay. Yeah, I know. I I got that a lot with, I did a clubhouse building workshop and so they, but they used hot glue guns. Mm. And so a lot of the kids were very uncomfortable (laughs) with the hot glue guns because, you know, it's can be scary if they don't know how to use it. But we teach, I teach them, you know, always look, like I said, Mm -hmm. always looking at what you're, you're pointing at is important, but it just teaching the basics. I really explain how a hot glue gun works so that they understand what parts could hurt them. So that I try to just give them as much information as, um, as necessary so that they can use that and then make choices and yeah. Yeah. And it's really just the tip, right? Like the hot glue, if you get some on you will only hurt for a little while and then it cools off. Yeah. And I use low heat hot glue guns too. So it helps a little bit. (laughs) I remember playing with those. Listen, I'm not not super crazy. (laughs) First class. You got scissors, you got hot glue guns, you got nails nails and hammers. (laughs) It's wild in there. Kids love it. So what what where do you go from hammers and nails? Do you get to drive? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. Tokyo. (laughs) I don't know yet. I'll have to think okay, about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so what um what what does happen? So four and five was the hammers and nails. And yeah, the, and styrofoam. styrofoam. So, mm. Yeah, the wood come will come a little bit later once yeah. they actually can hit the the nail or and I and for four and five I tend to use the golf tees, so it's a little bit bigger oh. too. Uh, okay, yeah. So that helps. Bigger target. Yeah, exactly. So cool. Okay. So much fun. Such a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a blast. Yeah. It is really fun. So after, so you, you go up to just, you go up to five or is it fifth grade? Fifth grade. Fifth mm-hmm. grade. Yeah. So what age is fifth grade? 10 or 11? Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. what, um, so those, those kids are 10 and 11 are in the same room as one and two. Well, I kind of keep that separate. Oh, okay. So I have a couple classes where it's five and under. Okay. Um, I have some classes where it's like three to five and then, um, my after school classes are K to fifth right now. Mm. So I'm kind of grouping them sort of all together. Yeah. So what are those kids? Like what's, what, what are the things that they're focused on and prioritizing? Um, I think at that age, it's just gaining creative confidence and sort of learning more about themselves as artists, sort of what mediums do they really like to use, um, where, like, what kind of art are they creating? You know, is it really, is some of it dark? Is some of it cartoonish? You know, that sort of thing. It's sort of just help helping them become the artist that they want to be and giving them as many different art supplies, materials, mediums, everything that they can try here. And then they can say, oh, I really like painting and I like painting with watercolors. I don't like painting with uh, acrylics or mm-hmm. or vice versa or i really like clay i don't really like to do you know the other stuff yeah oh another fun one with the little kids is um sewing i let them oh, sew nice. at three yeah. three wow. that is so wow. fun that's awesome it's so is it cool. like a, a bigger needle or yeah so yeah. it's a i use the i'm not actually i'm not a knitter but i think it's one of the thicker kind of crochet needles yeah. and then we use burlap so it kind of oh, goes cool. through 
and you know they go all around the outside of the hoop and we put beads on it and we paint it and so all sorts of it's really fun sort of <laughs> and they must be i i gotta imagine some of these kids are ecstatic to to be able to use these types of things like, yeah i don't know I I th- I see them being really excited. Yeah. I'm really excited when I see what they can do. It's 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 like a you know, it's just very cool. I'm always and seeing how capable they are. Yes, too, you exactly. Know? You wouldn't think part. a three year old could could sew. Yeah. yeah, and I mean they're not sewing pillows or anything yes, like of that. Course, yeah, but even you know, <laughs> but even the even getting the needle through and pulling it yeah. is you know. It's a great first place for them to begin. Yeah, and what what a great way to build dexterity too. Like, yeah, man, gosh. And you can have them sew a little clothes. You can sell them through makers or just. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's that, where the business is going. <laughs> yeah, wait. I feel like there's laws against it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, uh, with the the de-emphasis on art in school, that's just like constant over the past yes. know, twenty years, probably. Do you find that parents are like craving this too, that they're coming and being like, I, I want my kids to be able to be involved in art and they don't get it at school or, or in these ages, is there still more art at school? I think they still have, usually they have one art period a week at school. Okay. Um, and sports is such, there's such a huge emphasis on sports right. too. And art definitely isn't really in that category. Mm. Um, but I do have a lot of parents who are looking for something. And the way that I do my classes is you can sign up for a whole six weeks or you can sign up for just one week. So I make it huh. really flexible so people can come in when they can and they don't really, you don't have to make the commitment if they don't want to. Yeah. Um, but I, I think art is so important. I just, I think that even the little kids can express themselves. Um, it's a, it can be a calming mechanism. I know a lot of schools use, if their kids are missing their parents, they'll draw or write them a letter or something like that. I just think that just giving them the freedom to get whatever is in their heads out somehow on this wood or canvas or paper, it's really cool. So how do parents get connected with you if they have a kid who's the right age to be a part of Makers? Makersri.com. You can sign up for all my classes online. You can instagram or dm me or send me a facebook message i always respond to to everything your instagram is awesome by the way it's really fun to look at yeah i I like scroll through there if i'm looking for like a a like positivity hit (laughs) because everything there it's just always so colorful and vibrant it's just like they're doing such fun things it's really cool to see um yeah it really is it's like it's neat it it's one of those things like we don't my wife and i don't have kids yet but it's like one of those things that I look forward to like in the future as like, Oh, there's something like this that exists that my kid can be involved in. And it's really cool. And I know that you're like counting down the days, <laughs> yeah. counting down the months until Lillian can do something like this too. Yeah. We already have her in a, um, well, we'll talk about it after yeah. in a music class. Yeah. She's in a music yeah. class. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Which is super fun. And yeah. I mean, like it was interesting that you mentioned how like the, the early times that kids come in and they're like, not like totally participating. They might focus on one thing. Like the first class we went to, it was just like, she she'll like when music comes on at home she's dancing she's super into it but when she was there it was like observation mode she's just like yeah what, what is, is going on she's just taking in everything <laughs> yeah. then the second class like it was a little bit of that but she was starting to like like oh, okay this is fun and like i can shake these things around and like i can you know dance around with the music and stuff and just seeing her like kind of like bloom a little bit like in yeah. that environment and see how the other kids are playing it's really really fun yeah. and she's only seven months old so you know i'm sure it's just gonna 
going from there. Obviously, yeah. it's going to keep going from there. It it's going to be better and better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I really love it. So Yeah. yeah it's and it, it's doing something, too, for you and Nicole, which is really sweet to look at, mm. like, to see you. We're both. not bitter husks of people. No, <laughs> like you're you're delighting, like you're delighting yeah. in that moment with your daughter and yeah. seeing her, seeing it through her is is yeah. really. Uh, I feel like I mean I'm sure you've experienced this a million times. Like seeing things through your kids' eyes gives you a, a more of an appreciation for things that you just may have taken for granted for a long time. You know, like yeah, the world around sure. you can become uh, like noise in a way, and you just focus on a thing. And but the kids it's like diffused awareness. They see everything, everything. and take in everything. So yeah. you're kind of like, oh, I'm taking in things too. <laughs> yeah, this is this, cool. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So Aaron, you're, you're very well educated. You have a master's degree and yet you've developed this wonderful ability to see the world through the eyes of children. How has that transformed you, changed you, made you a better person to be able to do that? I think like you were just saying sort of, delighting in the smaller things, the simpler things. I feel like um, it in a way grounds me sort of Um, getting to share these experiences with these kids and um, just seeing how they grow and seeing how they express themselves. And it is, it's just so amazing. It's so much fun. And you light up when you hear things like what sensory bin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's and installation these, walls. Yeah, there's things. these wonderful little moments um, of, of being able to kind of do that. That's, that's yeah. amazing. It's so much fun. Yeah. these The kids are just amazing. And I'm so lucky to get to work with them and create with them and that, you know, Adults would never go for my wild ideas, but the kids walk in and see a teepee that I, a sheet over sticks that I call a dinosaur hut, and they're like all they're into like, this it. This is a dinosaur yeah. hut. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. That's well, my wild, I, I wild ideas. Makes yeah. my wild ideas acceptable. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like s- some people have the mindset to be able to, to, go into an imaginative place like a child would that a child appreciates that other adults who I don't know are in just their day to day can't. Yeah. Know, so that's, that's really cool. It's a gift. It's a gift. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky one. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing your gift. Yeah. yeah thank thanks. you. <laughs> thanks again for listening to you can do it, do it to learn more about what Aaron's up to visit. You can do it, do it.com. As always, you can support the show by going to youcandoitdoit.com slash Patreon to become a sponsor or patron of the show. As always, thank you to Night Swim for the use of their song Fiji as the theme song for the show. You can find it where all great music is found. And last but not least, thank you so much for sharing the show. It's how people find out about it and hear about all the amazing things that are happening in and around Providence, Rhode Island. We're really excited to do it. Glad you're listening. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for doing so. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.